Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. I'm Perry Groves. Yes, and Perry was alongside me this afternoon. This is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Uh, we were joined by Jan Mulby, Liverpool legend. He's been uh, immortalised on a wall in Liverpool. Beautiful mural. And we talked about that, how he's had this second coming in the nation's consciousness with Troy Hawk from the Greeters Guild. Uh, Andy Hamilton popped in. Chelsea oh. fan. Uh, retro chat that was yeah it? good retro back to 67 Perry and used the phrase in my day quite a few times <laughs> and uh, which was fun we had a good chat we talked about lots of different things football and otherwise got you involved as well played some great tunes for a change for reasons that will become apparent so here it all is good afternoon everyone good afternoon Perry good afternoon Paul see. how are you I'm good it's funny yep. just as before we came on air uh, Fletch hadn't seen Perry for a while and um, they entered the, the world of Northern Soul. Fletch is aware that Perry is a bit of a fan. So we've decided this afternoon to play a few anthems as, uh, to celebrate Perry being with us. Um, so uh, we're gonna, we'll kick you off with, with one of the classics uh, throughout the breaks. But it's your chance to tell us why these, your favorite, why these are your favourite Northern Soul songs. Uh, and, uh, yeah, put a, bit of, put a bit of a memory on him for us. But we will play them. We'll dot them throughout the show. So why, Perry? Why for you? Well, my dad was into soul anyway. Yeah. And then, obviously, then that's just a sort of sideline from soul, like Northern Soul. Yeah. Um, and a lot of my good friends live up in Liverpool and they uh, frequented the Wigan Casino. Right. And um, I didn't realise that sometimes the Northern Soul dancers would take their own little bit of lino. <laughs> take your own little bit of yeah. lino, put yeah. a little bit of talent so you can slide. You needed not, a bit of room to do yeah, it properly, and it's, didn't you? it's in your hip. Basically, you've got swivel hips. It's in your hips. You know yeah. what I mean? There's not a lot of uh, foot movement that leaves the floor. Mm. So you're sliding everywhere. And I had a, um, a place in Spain, in Vineros, and we went on the stag do, and all the lads from Liverpool, they brought uh, a stretch of lino. So they brought a bit of lino in the, and, the and how, Yeah, so we <laughs> so we put the lino in this Spanish bar, yeah. and with a bit of talcum powder, and uh, when all locals coming in, we had the DJ playing Northern Soul, yeah. and we said, you can't come in the bar unless you do they Northern to, Soul dance. to learn it, And they, they had no idea. Like, shuffle. Yeah, they had no idea what it was, and then they, um, my mate Peter Whiston used to play for uh, Southampton, I was with him uh, down there in Torquay, and he gave him a demonstration, and then the locals absolutely loved it. They went for so it. So they bought into they it. They bought into Northern Soul. That's Northern beautiful. Soul in Vineros, which is in between Barcelona and Valencia. Well, give us some of your favourites and why this afternoon. We'll dot them throughout the show as, as celebrate Perry being with us today. Talksport.com, text 1889, tweet TSH and J 0371722344. Now, maybe we should get the the, uh, the the phony war, the North London derby. The out elephant the in the room. A, we can have a quick chat about it. We'll get it out of the way. Um, were you of, were you like your old mate Merce saying we're going to absolutely slaughter no, him before the game? Absolutely you didn't feel no. Like that. I, I I must admit there was some Arsenal fans had I thought an unrealistic confidence going into the derbies right. uh, into the derby because you can't I don't know what you feel like Paul you can't enjoy oh no the I North hate it. Derby. you endure it I, it's, you, like, you get, it's like a trip to the dentist yeah you get a horrible like feeling in anxiety and, and I just want it, I want it over quickly yes. the yeah. only the only time you can enjoy it is if you're freeing you up after about 20 yeah. 25 minutes yeah or you're two new up and you see there's only two minutes of added time coming. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Then you can. But I knew everybody said, oh, Spurs, it, it suits the way that Arsenal play because they come and press. And I've seen Spurs a couple of times and I knew this Spurs side had a bit more about them. Mm-hmm. There's a bit more character in there. There's a yeah. bit more determination in there. I mean, if uh, Jesus scores, then it's over and done with it. Yeah, two-nil, I think basically. if 2 near it would have been, we would have Big heard ask. a lot about Spurs. Yeah. yeah. But then Declan Rice goes off and that highlighted how pivotal he is for Arsenal because yeah. the intensity of Arsenal's game dropped in the second half. Yeah. And then Basuma so, bossed it second half. Yeah, Basuma yeah, yeah. and Madison came um, into the game more yeah. because 
he was following like a he was going man to man Declan Rice yeah. basically when he were ever like man that's why he dropped deep yeah. to get get the ball off the car out because he wanted to get in the game yeah um, and there was we had when it was quite weird because when the uh, added time card was ten minutes. Mm. Normally, there's like a surge of energy and a, a roar with the home. But because it's the North London derby, it's more of a, oh, right, okay. we could win it, but we, but could, we could lose, lose it. it. Yeah. And I mean, I, we had two chances in that. I mean, was that first one that Porro tried to play Son in and it was actually a good bit of defending and was cut out? Um, and then the Richarlison chance at the end. There were a couple of chances well, that was Spurs. what yeah. I was going to say. I think both sets of players, because they'd put... And it was a brilliant game. Like, mm. To be there live, it was brilliant. Yeah. Honestly, it was relentless. It was a pace. And the atmosphere has... I mean, you know, Tottenham fans make a joke of it, but the atmosphere has got an awful lot better at the Emirates oh, yeah. in recent years. Because so it, was, it was bouncing. Yeah, there's it? a synergy now between yeah. the players and the fans at the sure. Emirates, which is great. But then we had, this, we had four corners in the last sort of two minutes mm. and you think oh come on like someone just got on the end of it just you know Gabriel or Saliba and then you broke and it comes to Richarlison yeah. and I was like oh no you're kidding me and then you had a corner right at the death yeah. and again that what can go wrong will go wrong comes into your brain straight yeah. away going they're going to score from here yeah. <laughs> and then when it goes to all you just I, I was actually obviously I wanted to win don't get me wrong but there was a bit of relief in there as well just thinking yeah. right if you can't win it you don't lose it mm. but it was a a brilliant game. You see, I was really expecting a pretty painful first few weeks. I thought we'd have a couple of good results against certain teams, but I felt, you know, we it was going to be hard. This is only six games in with a lot of very different players, with a new approach, with all new coaches. The whole thing is different. And the job Postacoglu has done with that team in a short space of time is really impressive, I think. Joy. He's done a great job. Yeah, it's joy. You can you, see that. If you go to playing. work, right, yeah. and you enjoy what you're doing when you go to work, mm. you're going to perform and you're going to express yourself better. Yeah. And even when it was nervy, I don't know if you... I, I was glad that you were trying to play it from the back mm. because uh, um, when they were splitting, when Romero was splitting, especially him, he was he faced his own fans a couple of times in the corner yeah, when he's, yeah, like, yeah. he's splitting and, and Van der Ven trying to get out from the back. Mm. You looked a little bit nervy. Didn't Cup, look yeah. that confident in it. But because Postacoglu was like, I don't care if you make a mistake. You keep playing and try mm. and play that way. I will back you. And then, well, that second goal came from, you know, it was Madison having that extra touch, you know, yeah. that, that was, he almost got in and that would have been a classic example of them trying to do exactly that. Yeah, but then, to be fair to Madison, he's got the personality and the character to, go to again, keep yeah. going again yeah. and going again and going again and the, uh, the spin from Bukayo Saka for the first goal mm. was, yeah. like, even as an Arsenal fan, you just go, that's good, mate, yeah. <laughs> you know, to spin him and, like, pick, pick the right pass. Yeah. And even when he robbed Jorginho... It's the weight of the pass to Son that then says to Son, "You're going to hit this first time." Mm. It looked it looked very easy, yeah. but I've seen loads of people mess up a two v one. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Where you go, you say, "I'll go for glory," um, but it is. And I'm trying not to like. I've said it before. I'm trying not to like Postecoglou. You know, like, <laughs> a few like, Arsenal fans have said that oh, to me. It's, it's, he seems he just seems such a likable bloke. Yeah, he? I, I quite to like if you like he's married and your missus run off with a geezer, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have to meet him, you know, down the line, at a, yeah. a family do, whatever, and he's there. And you don't and want to like him. And you don't you want to hate him. You think, do you know what? He's actually He's a good top bloke. man. He's such a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a horrible, horrible feeling. Good stuff. Well, yeah, it was, I mean, it was interesting. Um, Arteta saying it felt like two points dropped. I'd say in the balance of the game, that was a bit harsh. I guess he's saying for what we're trying to achieve, for where we're at, Champions League and all that. And we were at home. But I'd say, I'd say that was a pretty fair it result. It was a fair result. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, yeah. as I said, First 20, 25 minutes, if you, you've got to be ruthless and yeah. take your chances. But then Declan Rice goes off. Madison, said before, becomes more um, involved. Mm. And I, I, one that I think I couldn't get is, and I was pleased, I know Madison was in, carried an injury, yeah. but then he took Son off. Mm. And again, as, a, as an Arsenal fan, you're looking at it thinking... Thank God for that. Yeah. Because... And it, the intensity, everything dropped. I mean, obviously, yeah. Hoiberg, Hoiberg sat deeper... Nothing was sticking to Richarlison, really. A couple of times he had his back to go and he lost control and he never really got the pace of the game when he came So the on. flow sort of yeah, stopped. Yeah, and it kind of, you know, you kind of, that last five minutes, I was thinking, they're going to come at us, we've just got to ride this yeah, out. Yeah, and even when you're the two centre-halves, mm. like Gabriel and Sleeper, when you see Son go off, yeah. trust me, I know I'm, I'm a fan of Richarlison, yeah. I think he's going to kick on, you know, he's had his uh, mental yeah. health problems, he, he got his goal, didn't he? And you just think, well, you actually do think, well, that's yeah. Andy. 
because he was causing us problems. And so he burned, uh, you know, against players like Richarlison, he probably, you know, he'll enjoy that sort yeah. of battle, physical Son's battle, a bit clever with his, his runs, yeah. and the yeah, angle yeah. of his runs, and he gets on your blind side, yeah. you can't see him. So, so but I think it was... We I were both happy. It was a fair result, yeah. Come I don't things... want to say happy, Paul. No, OK. <laughs> Relieved <laughs> things to get you involved in uh, today. Um, Eric Ten Hag, uh, trying to improve the... The atmosphere at his club had a bit of a family do it. His gaff invited all the players. They had a bouncy castle for the kids. Well, they say they say for the kids, but there is a joy as an adult. This is the trouble. You get you get a kid's bouncy castle in, then the kids all go indoors because they're so full of sunny delight and cake. They just have to sit in front of a PlayStation or watch a film or something, fall asleep. So then the adults go in the garden with a beer. Yeah. And then the first one gets, oh, this is funny. This is how you do then it. Then you have a little penalty shootout in the kid's in bouncy the, castle. Yeah. I've done that before. And it's like, this is how you do a somersault. Yeah. This is <laughs> what you do. Then you're at A&E that evening. Yeah, and then there's always one o'clock. of the adults who have yeah. broken his arm, aren't there? <laughs> or dislocated his shoulder. Something happens. Yeah. Maybe we'll have adults acting like like kids if you've got it's like that Haribo commercial if you've got adults acting like kids if you want to admit to doing that and feeling quite ashamed about it now uh, do let us know um, talksport.com text 81089 tweet TSH and J um, humbled by a wrinkly is what I'm setting up today. Uh, we're going to talk about Chelsea Brighton later on. Mikhailo Mudrik has stopped having crossbar challenges with uh, Maurizio Pochettino. Hardly a wrinkly, but certainly older than him. Because Pochettino is beating him in the crossbar challenge in training and it's affecting his confidence. Yeah, thanks for that. For yeah. letting like, like the whole world know when you <laughs> Don't try and be a motivational speaker, Poch, whatever no. you do. Do you know what I mean? He says he won't do it with me anymore because I keep beating him. So, have you ever been humbled by an oldie? You have, Perry, very quickly, haven't you? Yeah, I've been humbled by an old. I played for an Arsenal um, team in Reykjavik in Iceland mm. in a six-side competition and was playing against an uh, Icelandic uh, senior team. Yeah. And there was a little bald fella in midfield and I think um, it was probably, I reckon he's probably like 10, 15 years older than me. And I just looked and I thought, God, he can play. And it was Ida Johnson's dad. Oh. And he was unbelievable. And they said... When he was playing, when you looked at him, you think you could have played in my in the, my year in the first division easily. Yeah, but that didn't happen in those days. No one went to Iceland to try and find players. It yeah, just, it just wasn't you know Iceland wasn't like a Sweden or Denmark, no. an established country. Um, and he ran the show. He was absolutely brilliant. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Eric Ten Hag introduced a bouncy castle into a player's get-together because they could bring their families along. But I bet you one or two of the United players had to go on the bouncy castle, don't you? Actually, from my listeners, what player in your team do you think would be the first one to yeah. go after maybe a couple of pints? We're going to go get out. I'm, I'm on. This, might, on yeah. this, is, this is what you do. Moving the kids off. Yeah, the I first. The first adult to jump on the bouncy castle. Who, who are their club? Okay, yeah. well, we'll find out. Talksport. Yeah, and suggest who you think at your club would be the first on the bouncy castle. Talksport.com. Text 81089. Tweet TSH&J. 0371722344. Uh, Gary from Portis said, Bouncy castle trying to impress my kids. Tried a somersault. Knees came up and smacked me in the chin. Sinking my teeth into my lip, resulting blood everywhere. Screaming kids. <laughs> Not good, is it? A massive uh, lip like the nutty professor. Yeah, it would be, yeah. David in Leicestershire, down in Cornwall during the summer, showing off to my 10-year-old daughter doing a spot of climbing. Fell six to eight feet onto the stony beach. Broken ham was the result. Not good when you're a self-employed painter and decorator. Do you know so, what? Yeah. Stony hand and the stony look from yes, your, your other eye. I would imagine. You can't you, go to work. You can't go to work. Idiot. That's true. Humbled by a wrinkly since James from Clacton. I was humbled by a wrinkly playing for Clacton Town versus an Arsenal 11 15 years ago. I was quick in my early 20s, always backed myself for pace. But there was a winger by the name of Perry Groves. He was getting on a bit, but he absolutely roasted me out on the right wing and left me in the dust. That was one run and one run only. <laughs> always leave was him he, wanting more. Were you picking up litter from as the As I went, the exactly. Pit. Yeah, there was all like beer bottles at the side of the pitch <laughs> recycling as I went. So do keep those coming. We want uh, you adults acting like kids, maybe trying to impress the kids with that bouncy castle at the United get-together. Humbled by a wrinkly. We're interested in that uh, as well. And because, uh, why was that? Oh, yeah, this was Maurizio Pochettino has been beating Mikhailo Mudric, one of his players, in the crossbar challenge to the point where uh, Mudric won't do it anymore because he's being, uh, he's being humbled by his gaffer and it's affecting his confidence. But he did say he got a draw, didn't he? He made him play, didn't he? He said, come on, you've got to get your confidence. Yeah, so that's did right. Did Pochettino blast it over the bar on purpose? I mean, all, I mean obviously, Poch is very competitive. All he's got, yeah, exactly, all he's got to do is miss a few, isn't he? A few duffers. And then, like all kids, he'll say, you're doing that on purpose, yeah, Dad. Yeah, it doesn't happen. I'm not, I'm no, not, I'm not. doing it. You've on, let that goal in. You're losing on purpose, My dad used to go in goal. 
I yeah. didn't score past him until I was 14. <laughs> well, really? So it was like Simon Day in the far show. Yeah. Was he really Marking out his dad? area, getting his gloves on. Strong, I was only five. But you would argue then that's, you know, you became a pro at that sort of tough love. They're not letting you, you know, you can't, you know, you had to really work that much. The thing harder. is, I took that on to my two boys, Lewis and Drew. Yeah. And then when uh, they got a bit bigger, we used to do running around the pitch and I could see that they were about to beat me. Mm. So I went, all right, won't do that anymore. And then when you're swimming, you know, you let them have a start, don't you? When you're going length for the pools, you go, right, yeah. you go and I'll uh, follow you and I'll see if I can beat you in front crawl. And there was once where Lewis was about 12 and it was neck and neck and it was who touched the finger first. And I think he did. But I went, no, nah, no, nah, sorry, mate, that was me. <laughs> and he went, all right, Dad, can we go again? I went, no, nah, you're done. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not letting the 12-year-old beat me. We're finished. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Seven days is too long without you, baby. Come on back to me Seven days is too long. Good afternoon, it's Paul Hawksby and Charlie. Oh, no, it's not. It's Paul Hawksby and Perry Groves with you. Too many different uh, presenters. I've been called worse. You've been called worse. I'll settle for that. Perry Groves is here, former Arsenal winger, and uh, we play that. So we play it for Mark the Sparky from Stockport because he's one of the many Talksport listeners who are suggesting their Northern Soul favourites. He says, what about that one, boys? Uh, he, he loves that. So, uh, Mark, thank you for that. You can keep your suggestions coming. We discovered today that Perry is a bit of a Northern Soul fan, so we'll play a few classics uh, throughout the afternoon. We're going to be chatting to uh, Jan Mulby a little bit later on. Bob Bubcat Bob is going to join us for a bit of golf chat. We've thrown a lot of stuff at you today. And I think Novak Djokovic was being a bit modest about his golfing prowess. He just nailed one on the 16th, put it on the green. He looks... I mean, these guys are good hand-eye. I remember when I worked at Chelsea years ago, quite a few of the guys at that time got Zola into playing golf. And I don't think he'd ever really played. Um, and Franco said just... Because, again, it was that natural hand-eye, and he got good at it quite quickly. I think... Um Golf, though, is the hardest one because normally the sportsman is a moving ball, isn't mm. it? It's like, yeah. And I coordination, so it's your movement in conjunction with the ball and your timing. So I think at first, sportsmen don't like golf because you don't take to it that quickly, but then you it, you get the bug. Yeah. And then you say, right, and then you have a bit of advice and you slow down your swing. Do you know what I mean? Because you see all the pros in the and you think, I can do that. Mm. And all of a sudden you hook it or you slice it and it's going everywhere. So at first it's a bit frustrating and then it, then it gets you. Then yeah. it does definitely grip you. Well, he's That's after about... about four sets of clubs that you throw in the lakes. <laughs> he talked about playing with a tennis racket. We have had a, uh, Was that Novak a... having, you think, a bit of a, a sense of humour, do you think? Well, you think maybe, been... I, I don't know. I mean, it, maybe it was. Maybe it was a bit of a joke thing. But um, this comes from one of the listeners. On YouTube, you can find the English squash player, Daryl Selby, well-known for his trick shots, playing golf with a squash racket. Uh, he says, well, I'll, I'll go and check that out. Against a golfer. Very interesting, he tells us. OK, thank you very much for that. We will check it out. Who'd be the first on the bouncy castle at your club? Johnny couldn't resist it. He's obviously not happy with uh, Jaden Sancho. Johnny says it would be Sancho because he's acting like a child. <laughs> so there we are, get point, scoring points. No, he'd be banned. He probably he said would no, be. Well, he said no. Yeah, it's, it's he'd want to go on the bouncy castle, yeah. but Eric would say no. To May United property. He'd have to sit there and watch all the other players having You're banned from the canteen. Yeah, you're banned it. from the training ground. You're banned from the bouncy castle. And what's more, the worst thing of all, banned <laughs> from the bouncy castle. John McGinn on the bouncy castle. No beer required, says Kurt the Villa fan. After him, the obvious answer, Emmy Martinez. Uh, yeah, I think he'd be pushing uh, John out the way, uh, would be my guess. So you can keep those coming. Talksport.com, text 1889, tweet TSH and J. We have... Uh, an interesting night of football this evening in the Carabao Cup. We've got two more live games for you. Brentford v Arsenal, um, and that's not on U uh, UK TV. Adrian Durham, your host. Jim Proudfoot, Scott Minto, your commentary team. We've got Liverpool-Leicester, another cracking match, over on TalkSport 2 at the same time. A quarter to eight kick-off, Sam Matter facing Mickey Gray on commentary duty. If he plays Ramsdale tonight, Perry, uh, um, then he, I think he knows he's been Leno'd. He's basically Leno two years ago, isn't he? Yeah, it's the bite of being bit, unfortunately, yeah. for Aaron. And I was, I wasn't surprised that we, because a lot of fans, Arsenal fans, thought, oh, why are you getting another goalkeeper? Mm. And I saw it because last season when Saliba got injured, the drop off from Saliba to Rob Holding in quality was too far. Yeah. And I think he thought that the drop off from Aaron Ramsdale to Matt Turner, obviously gone to Nottingham Forest now, mm -hmm. was too far because Matt Turner didn't play very well in, in Europa League. So yeah. I could get it. But I just, just doing it so quickly. And Aaron Ramsdale, he would have a bit of injustice because he hadn't made a mistake. Normally managers wait till the goalkeeper makes a mistake mm. and that justifies putting 
your uh, preferred goalkeeper in. Yeah. So I just thought Arteta caused himself a few problems. Yeah. It's interesting though, you know, he is he worked with Pep for a long time and he saw Pep do this with Joe Hart, didn't he? He saw making a decisive call and you know, it was a bold thing to do. I'm sure City fans would say, well look at the way he plays, it suits the system better. It kind of worked out. So he's seen that bold call made by a coach that he's worked with. Yeah, I think with Joe Hart though, to be fair, brilliant goalkeeper that yeah. he is. He had like skis on his feet, didn't he? He wasn't used to playing out from the back. That yeah. wasn't his um, no. remit sort of thing. And Ramsdale is good at playing out sure. from the back. He makes the odd mistake. One that springs to mind, Southampton at the end of last season, yeah. you know what I mean, where he gives the ball away. But he will look, because he signed a new five-year contract as well, mm. didn't he, at the beginning of the season. And the only thing as well, when Arteta said, well, what's the difference between Nketiah and Jesus, you know, or Trossard and Martinelli? Michele is massive different because the goalkeeping is a unique position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where one mistake yeah. and it's highlighted. You know what I mean? And it's the relationship that Ramsdale had with Saliba and Gabriel and the back four, obviously Ben White um, and Zinchenko. Then David Ray is coming in and he's got to establish that relationship and that mm. trust. Yeah. So I just thought that you put David Ray on under unnecessary pressure. Mm. But to be fair, he's had two clean sheets out of three. Sure. Um, you and couldn't I, really have put either of those goals down to him the other day against Spurs, No, I think uh, the first the first one where he flaps at the cross a little bit, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. It comes I suppose up. yeah, that's true. But yeah, he yeah. pulled out a worldy save before that yeah. with uh, from Brennan Johnson where he sure. moved his feet very well and yeah. got his um, right hand to it. Yeah. So, um, but I agree with Arteta, a, a massive club, then mm. it's competition for places. Smith Rowan asked you about as well. Uh, he's been getting a great reception when he's been coming on for Arsenal. He's much loved. Uh, he'll probably get a start tonight. Um, I mean, it's interesting. Arteta said how much he loves him as a player and how important he is. Well, stop buying players in his position. I mean, he, Havertz has kind of stepped in. There are other players that can sort of where he would like to play, ideally. I suppose they've changed the system a little bit, which has affected him, the way they've kind of the inverted fullbacks and all that. So, I mean, how, how do you feel about Smith Rowe? You've always felt he's good enough to get regular games? Or? Yeah, well, he was one of the main... Before he was unlucky, he had his serious yeah. injury. He was one of the main players. Yeah. Say, Arsenal fans don't because... He gives you something different because mm. he's he's brilliant in, in uh, tight spaces and he's like a dribbler. He takes people on in those tight spaces. So if you're him and he plays against Brentford tonight, then you're going to be thinking, right, I've got... A... We saw Crystal Palace last night didn't we, against yeah. Manchester United <clears throat> and I thought that they were their attitude stunk the place out because obviously there was 10 changes made and those players played like they thought they had no chance of getting in to the first team. Yeah, And your attitude should be, right, I'm going to show the manager that I should be playing. Because how often mean? do you hear that? And they do make loads of changes and the manager says, none of those guys tonight said they looked like they were banging on my door wanting to get a regular start. Because it is an opportunity. That's how the managers look at it. Uh, yeah, and it's your, own, it's your own personal pride and professional pride yeah. that when you're coming off, that you're still, you've got a right then to go in and see the manager and say, look, I'm playing well. You saw, like I played, like Emil Smith-Rowe, I played against Brentford. Yeah. I should be playing. And worst ways out in... Arsenal got injuries now, but when those injuries come back, obviously Trossard's injured, Martin is injured. Emil Smith Rowe's got to make sure that worst ways out, he's on the bench so he can be the next cab on the rank yeah. to go and make a difference in like the first team. So his attitude will be good. To, I, I, there's a humbleness about this group of Arsenal players, so I, I can't see. Yeah. Their his attitude, attitude always seems he's always seemed that sort of player. He doesn't kick up a fuss. He clearly loves the club and he's just waiting for his chance. But if, but if I was it him, must be frustrating. Yeah, if I was him, I would go to Arteta and say, look. Because we haven't solved the uh, Granit Xhaka problem in mm. that inside left position. You know, yeah. Havertz lacking confidence, doesn't get forward enough. Then um, Vieira's gone in there, and he, although he's better physically now, he still looks to me like he needs to be a little bit stronger and doesn't get himself involved in that area. So if you're Smith Rowe, you'll be looking at that and saying to Arteta, I want to play in that um, inside left position, mm. you know, just in front uh, of the holding midfield player, and I'll show you what I can do, and I'll add a different dimension. So. Um, yeah, I, I can't see any attitude problems. Uh, we've got uh, what other games we got for you to see? Villa playing Everton. We'll come on to Everton later. Villa story today: sweaty shirts. The players, whatever, they've got uh, Castor, the new uh, kit sponsors. They're having a bit of a problem. The shirts are getting very wet and very heavy. Sticky. Quite quickly. Even the women's team are in action, of course, at the weekend when the WSL returns, saying they're not looking forward to wearing them. You know, it's not a wet T-shirt competition. They're, they're too tight. They're clinging. They're too revealing. Uh, they're going to have to do something about it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it strikes me they've got two choices. They either 
uh, get new kits from Castor or they change their kit supplier. Or the third choice, of course, is sign Prince Andrew when it's never a problem, is it? Never sweat. Bring him in. And, um, I mean, I think he's a free agent at the moment, isn't he? I think he has a fair bit of time on his hands. That's the least likely scenario. So you're saying that he could be the ambassador for the shirts? Yes. I mean, there are royal connections. I'm not sure Prince William would be massively (laughs) pleased about it. But anyway, uh, that seems the unlikely scenario. But, yes, that's odd, isn't it? I mean, if you look at the, the way shirts develop in your playing career, I mean, the way from when you probably first started playing... Uh, to what they were in the, you know, they were always baggy under your era. They were quite, they weren't sort of cut, fitted shirts. Yeah, you didn't, I must admit, you didn't really think about it that much. No. No, it wasn't like, oh, that's not Airtech. Well, Airtech was the first one to come in, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, Obviously yeah. to 1970 get rid of the sweat. World Cup, a kind of tea bag like material they yeah. took to Mexico. Well, if you look at the, um, uh, the other day, I was, uh, I had a 1970 71 uh, Arsenal uh, yeah. shirt, the white the yellow one. And you think, ones. oh, you thought, if you're sweating that, that's going to be about pound and a half, two pound heavier. Sure, yeah, But even yeah. then, it's only what you know, isn't it? You, you don't think, oh, these shirts need to be a little bit more like, air-resistant or airtight or whatever. So yeah. um, sometimes it can be an excuse as well. Yeah, of course, it could be. <laughs> it could but be. they do look, I mean, you've noticed on the bit, they're clinging to them. I go a darker claret. When it's very odd because obviously they've made loads of shirts for football well, clubs then, before. I, don't know I mean, with this one, I'm so. no fashionista or whatever, but yeah. men may wear a bigger shirt than if it's clinging to you. Just you go size up. Just like the old yeah. days, the ones that used to billow in the yeah, 90s go for the that XLs. players used to wear. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Dave in Stockport uh, has been in touch. Uh, Bobby Hebb, love, love, love. One of the few northern, northern soul songs that are happy, says Dave. Adding Cheadle Soul Club first Saturday of every month. If you're a fan of that music, you're in that area. Thank you very much, Dave. Uh, Perry is uh, telling me earlier on he's a fan of uh, northern soul, so we're playing a few classics. In and our... you got your drums out as well, haven't you? Yeah, when it comes on, it'll tap along. along. Well, yeah, like Ian Danta. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he can play, play and I can't. <laughs> So we're having a bit of a problem with Jan Mulby's line, but we will get back to him later on. We want to reacquaint him with Perry. They had played against, uh, played against each other in the past. Um, some more of your emails and texts coming in. Um, Perry told us what he played in a game uh, and he had to give a false name, didn't you? Well, that when was got when you got booked. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't playing for Arsenal. I take it. No, <laughs> that, that <laughs> would be that, great. That would be it? quite funny. I wonder if a professional has ever given a false, false name. name. What's your name, Ray Parler? That would be. I bet Ray's probably tried, isn't he? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, Lee, the Leeds fan. I played as a ringer as a uh, as a guy called Steve Place. The referee asked me my name, and I said, "I'm Steve Fish." Oh no, sorry, I mean Steve Place. That's it's not very good, is it? That is not going to work for you. So uh, if you've done that in the past, you've had to come up with a very quick, forced name. What did you go with? Do let us know. Talksport.com. Text 81089. Tweet TSH&J. 
Um, humble by a wrinkly John the Bradford fan my late dad played for his work squash team and as a cocky teenager while on holiday in Spain I thought I could take him just like the competitive dad sketch from the far show he taught me a lesson by absolutely thrashing me <laughs> and I came off court looking like a drowned rat he had an even broken sweat I've mentioned before a mate of mine played uh, squash at a club and he turned up one day it was a, I think it was a league game and both he and another bloke at the squash club uh, both their neither of their guys had turned up for this league match and the bloke he was playing was a, a league above him. And he said to my mate, do you, do you fancy a game? It was Leonard Rossiter, rising damp Reggie Perrin fame. Wow. And he said, yeah. And he was thinking, well, you know, I'll probably wipe the floor with him because he was half his age. And it's just a great story. So I played with uh, I played with Reggie Perrin slash Rigsby. You know, and Leonard Rossiter was brilliant. He's an absolutely brilliant squash, but he slaughtered him. Do you know what it is? He's getting him off the tee when yeah. you're playing. And you've got the tee on the squash court and you just... Plonk yourself in the middle yeah. and right in that tee, and he probably just run. I played. Um, I was playing squash, and there's a game that's called racquetball that you can play on a squash court. Oh yeah, yeah, which is a that, bigger, yeah. bouncier ball. Mm. And um, I was friend, good friends of a, a player called Del Harris, and he got. To, he was England's number one. He's one of the few England players who beat Yan Chia Khan when because Yan Chia Khan went um, about six years unbeaten. I think, yeah, yeah, didn't he? yeah. So I said, "Come on, then, Del." I thought I was pretty good at racquetball. Didn't get a point, no. and it's just the honestly, it's just the angles and. I was sweating like a racehorse. Honestly, I was <laughs> running all over the place and all these mates were laughing because you see through the glass mm. and just laughing and you think, all right, yeah, you've taught me a lesson. I thought I was good. And just, <laughs> just slapped me down and put me in my place. Now, England's women beaten last night. That's a rare occurrence. They were beaten by the Netherlands 2-1. Um, but the first Dutch goal was miles offside. I don't know if you've seen it, Perry. The lino's not she's not in line with the play, and it's a it's a terrible decision. And a number of the uh, the uh, girls have been saying today, you know, we need VAR. It's a kind of respect thing. But it's quite interesting, isn't it? I mean, looking at the way VAR works, I think quite a lot of us in the Premier League would like to step away from it and have a chance to sort of take a deep breath and say, OK, we tried that experiment. Do we want to stick with it or not? It would be not I mean, it would be interesting to take it away. We're going to come on to the handball law with Andy Hamilton because he has strong views on it when he joins us later on. But, I mean, the Championship could have had VAR Light, a cheaper system which has been available to a number of leagues. One or two have taken it up. It's like a four-camera system. It's not as expensive to run. But they've said, no, you're all right. They've looked at it in the Premier League and thought... Do we want that? It doesn't work that well, not not as well as... And I'm wondering if in women's football, I mean, although you feel like a top-level WSL, they should have it, would you want it? I think what Sreda Vegan was saying was that you can have it or you can't have it. There's mm. no like set rule, is there? No. And in the qualifying periods. So yeah. it's either everybody has it or everybody doesn't, you know, on different games. And when you looked at the, the first goal, at first it looked about two or three yards offside. Mm. But then when you see it in the replay, and obviously the, um, the linesman got a bit of stick. because. Yeah. But then when you look at it, I think it might have been Lucy Bryant, she's just coming out, and it's closer than what you think in real time. Mm. So people have got to be... It's called parallax. I've said this before, where it's impossible for a human being to concentrate on two points at the same time. Yeah. So you've got to realise how difficult their job is and the mm. pace of the game, what it is. And with the VAR... I'm totally against it because I said it'd take the joy out of the out of the game. You know, there's too many goal, brilliant goals that are being chalked off for lines offside, which offside wasn't brought in for. Yeah, at, you know, seeking advantage. And I was lucky enough to be at the Luton Wolves game, mm. and there was a referee, uh, Josh uh, Sims, I think he, he, the referee's name was, and he that was his second Premier League game, and he'd yeah. come from the Championship, and he refereed it brilliantly, right? Because he'd been used to refereeing what he saw. Having to make calls in the moment. In the moment. And yeah. the two calls that he made, uh, the Belgarda sending off with um, Tom Lockett, he made at the time. Yeah. He didn't wait to go to the screen because he saw him, uh, Belgarde just kick out. Yeah. And the penalty which he got stick for, which was the ricochet Kabori shot yeah. and it hit Gomez. Yeah. Everybody's saying, if you play football and you know football, that's not handball. Mm. He gave it in real time of what he saw. Then when you go to the rules... It's yeah. not him not knowing football yeah. or not knowing what is and what isn't handball. He has to go by IFAB's rules. Sure, he's right. Unfortunately, he's, we hate them, but he's right. He's in law, right in he? that law. Yeah, so yeah. the law is the thing that's wrong, not uh, Josh Sims. And I say, and he, he Smith, sorry, Josh Smith was yeah. there. But isn't that he, interesting that that he's come from that league and he's just making those calls the way he would be expected to as he, a referee without hiding behind the technology? To me, Josh Smith, he refereed it like there was no fear. Right. And I think a lot of referees do referee a little bit now with a bit of fear and trepidation yeah. because they know that it's being magnified 
20%, and they might hide by, behind it as well. Yeah. But they don't go with their instinct and think, yeah, that's... I'm sure that hasn't been lost on our web. He's, he's probably picked up on that as well, that they are when they are promoting refs and they, they're starting to do games. I mean, I just wonder if they'll get kind of sucked into the same system because that's the expectation. But it's interesting that, that he's coming up and doing that. Yeah, right? and yeah. also what you have... The, the frustration from fans is... And they're saying that referees are getting work. They're not. Referees... I had brilliant referees when I was playing. Yeah. You know, like Keith Cooper was an excellent... Yeah, Dermot yeah. Gallagher comes on, brilliant referee. Their man management was probably better than the yeah. referees of, of today, where, you know, they talk you through the games, they give you a bit of stick, they told you it was useless or you've missed a chance. You yeah. can say, oh, you're having, a, what, you're having a nightmare referee, whatever. But the referees have got better because they're fitter. Mm. They're more scrutinised than they've ever been before sure. because even in my era, you had match of the day... Um, you didn't have as many angles either. No. There were many cameras in there. Live games come on a uh, Sunday, didn't they, on BBC ITV? Yep. And that was it. Mm. So they're being more scrutinised. And I think if you said to the majority of fans now, if you want, if you had a choice, yeah. scrap VAR, have it, I'd, I'd say 60-70% would be, no, nah, get rid of yeah. it. Because the, frus- right. the it frustration... It came to a kind of football fans referendum. Yeah. yeah. And I think the frustration is that referees with the VAR sometimes don't see it. Mm. That's the, the bigger frustrating. Go, okay, I can understand a referee missing it in real time. Yeah. Then it goes to Anana penalty, Johan Kaladzic. Yeah. In real time, there's bodies around. You go, all right, I'll give you benefit out. Then it goes to VAR, an assistant VAR. So there's two people watching it on yeah. telly. Then you go, oh my God, how how can you not see that? That's well, a lot of that. A lot of that comes down to the, the covering the referee's backside, wanting to back. You know that that line that I know Mike Dean has tried to step away from helping out and make that line. Andy Taylor, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. But I, I think it's out there. Once it's out, once he's opened that particular Pandora's box, it, it made you feel that. Yeah, I've, I've watched games where I think like you're trying to cover your mate's back. It's that's what happened. Was it Darren England's the other week where he went to the? Uh, and he, and he, was it Villa? He I think. stood by his decision. Yeah, and he, he went yeah. no in real time. I think that's a penalty. You can't be uh, yeah. tell if there's been a touch on the top of the ball or not. And he just went, nope, I'm yeah. done. That's definitely a penalty, yeah, yeah, which yeah. I thought good for you because Howard Webber said he doesn't want the VAR re-refing different situations. And what they've got around Sanders, it was brought in for clear and obvious, yeah. like horrendous that, that was, decisions. It's never going to work, though. Once you've got the technology... Uh, you're you're going to use it for everything, you know. You, you say you don't, but you do. That's what you're effective. You're re-refereeing. You are. That's what's going. I know our web doesn't want that to happen, but you can't do some games like that and others not. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. <laughs> Yeah, Soul City Walk, uh, Archie Bell and the Drills. Got me into Northern Soul. It's a banger, says uh, Matt. Rangers and Luton in Glasgow. Uh, we have, we've discovered Andy Hamilton's made a welcome return to the studio. Comedian, writer and author. Good afternoon, Andy. Good to see you. Good afternoon. How are you? Yeah, good. We discovered today that Perry is a bit of a fan of Northern Soul, so we're playing a few oh, okay. classics throughout good. the show. Good. Um, you have a new book, uh, Blue Was the Colour. Yes. A Tale of Tarnished Love. It's a kind of love letter overall to, to Chelsea, the club it is. you support. Yeah. It's a love letter, but like a love letter from a jilted lover <laughs> who, who thinks that his former lover's has gone a bit fat and ugly, yeah. I think. But, I mean, it is, it's not a depressed... It is, you know, I, mean, yeah. I couldn't tell a story without jokes anyway, but, I mean, it is. I'm still in love with football, mm. and a lot of it is the story of how I fell in love with, with football yeah. in general, which I'm still, yeah, I still play, and uh, that's... But, it's yeah, I've, I've felt increasingly distanced from, mm. from top-flight football in general. It got and, me thinking in Chelsea in, in, particular. in particular, really. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll come on to the, the, the way the club's evolved, certainly in recent years. But you talk about your first game. It was a Saturday afternoon game, but it was in the winter. So by the time you left, the floodlights would have been on. Yeah. And it always struck me there was something, I, I think my first game was probably, I think it was a Saturday game, but then going to an evening match. Yeah. As a young kid, there is something about going to an it evening was magical, game. magical, wasn't because it? Because that's adult's time. Yeah. That's the sort of time when you're not out. No, so that felt, gives it that free on anyway, right. doesn't it? And you felt very privileged. And also there was something mm. extraordinary about the experience, sort of in terms of all your senses. You yeah. Know, because it was dark, but the, yeah, the floodlights, the crowd. I remember I used to be fascinated by, um, you know, because Chelsea, there was a lot of, as you remember, a lot of very vast terracing yeah. mm. and the crowd would kind of be immersed in darkness at the other end but you'd see all these sparks of light 
as people lit their cigarettes. Yeah, you know, like sort of not, fire... not, not their mobile phones. No, as like fireflies. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah. and then there'd be the smell of the hot dogs and the roasted chestnuts. Yeah, and... it was kind of sensory overload. You're it right. was. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. even the players, the shirts looked brighter, and mm. uh, that was about as happy as I think. I ever yeah. was, you in, know. In the old floodlights, when I played in some of the grounds, you used to lose the ball because if it went up in the middle of the pitch, you lost the ball for about a second before yeah. it came back down again because yeah. the whole the whole ground wasn't lit up. No, that's <laughs> right. You think, oh, where's that gone? You go, All right, here it's it comes. In, it's in the void. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah then yeah. it comes down, you go, oh, it's just gone on to left-hand well, side. Well, <laughs> where the floodlights at Chelsea were, were lethal or something, it was that if it was raining, there must have been mm. something in their design at the top that meant that water would pool there and then every now and then there'd be a gust of wind and just this wall of water <laughs> you know i yeah. remember watching a game against stoke and we all just got soaked because of, yeah there's basically like someone had thrown a, mm. a bath worth of water <laughs> i can remember you. stanford bridge as well was a pain because if it went behind the goal it was a long way. Long to way, the yeah. You had to, so like if you were playing track, on the really. right wing Dog or left track. wing, you had to go and get through, especially taking corners. Yeah. You look around to everybody and you're going, oh, I'll go and get that, yeah. shall I? Well, we did have ball boys, but... That's, yeah, They but didn't they, go and get it. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> not for, not for us. Was, yeah, you go, away you go. No, yeah. it was a long way, yeah. Can, can you not... Devo- it's difficult, isn't it? Because I know what you mean. You know, I think a lot of us uh, get disillusioned with the way our clubs go and, you know... But ultimately, the people who are in charge of it, the people who, you know, tentatively own it, they're kind of just passing through. At the core of it is the, still the same as the club that you supported, yeah. went to as a kid. Is it yeah. hard to divorce that from everything else that's going on there? Well, the I suppose the, the, the question, and I don't know the answer really, is, mm. is whether or not, um, you're right, all the, all the ownership is transient. In yeah. the end it will go and the club will remain, but it's whether they will have changed the club yeah. so much that um, actually it's not the club it... It was, you know, mm. it's weird. I, I I did an event to promote the book the other night, and there were quite a few Chelsea fans there. And this little chap down the front said to me, and he he looked like he was in his sixties. He said, "I'm secretly kind of hoping we'll get relegated." Wow. Yeah. I mean, I said, "Well, don't don't say that out loud <laughs> at the bridge," but he, he felt that <clears throat> that it, in a way it would just be a chance to get back to the experience he remembered mm. of uh, of going to more sort of. Authentic, uh, having a more authentic, yeah. So, you to go down twice, won't you? At that point, <laughs> <laughs> you want your consecutive relegations, yeah. Yeah, I know it, we don't like VAR, but that's taking it a bit far. I think, yeah, I think it probably is. There's a little section in the book as well where you kind of look back on the, the changes in the game and things that were kind of better. And you were right, dodgy pitches did bring their own kind of entertainment, didn't they? Yeah. They got a very different entertainment, uh, a, a duff old pitch now at yeah. times, and, and also there was a skill set, yeah. You know, I mean. You watch some of the, you know, because I during lockdown I discovered this wonderful thing called the Heavy Roller, which was a, an archive hmm. site, and I watched thousands of old games, including some from the 1950s and stuff. But you watch, like, there's a game between Chelsea and Tranmere, a cup tie, in fact, virtually the only cup tie hmm. that wasn't called off at the start of the big freeze in '63, and they're fundamentally they're playing on ice <laughs> Chelsea know. on ice but but yeah. both teams actually <clears throat> you know they play the way they're facing they they adapt really well and like when Man City beat Tottenham 4-1 and I think that game was called the ballet on ice mm. you know again there, there was a skill set that the players had learned I would have imagined now that if you took a set of modern players and said, oh, the oh, no. undersaw heating's not working, guys, yeah. and you've got to play. Yeah, there pudney. is a thick crust of yeah. snow, and <laughs> underneath that it's ice. But you'll be fine. They, they would struggle, I think. Yeah. Do you know they wouldn't know how to change <clears throat> the studs in their boots. Yeah. <laughs> in the old days, if you if you <clears throat> was playing <clears throat> on ice, it'd be cork studs or it'd be rubber studs. Yeah. So you'd have to change all your studs. And, and players don't get dirty anymore. You don't see mud on players anymore. You don't. No. You don't no see mud, any of that. There's no mud in the old. Yeah, you look back the, the old days. They've got on their face and their yeah. knees, that's their arms. The pitch doesn't cut up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That could have feed into why we're getting so many injuries because they it's are. Hard. We talked to Pat Nevin Very about firm. this. They're like concrete, the pitches now. Right. That's half the yeah, problem yeah. as well. They're so hard. Yeah. Um, the other thing is something I've been raining against 
is the handball law. Wouldn't it be great, even now in these VAR days, I know I'm VAR getting involved. I was saying to Daryl Johnson, who's Mr VAR earlier this week from ESPN, wouldn't it be great to, for it to be a judgment call again, whether that's by the guys in Stockley Park or the referee, ideally, yeah. where it's just deliberate was it or deliberate accidental. Or deliberate or accidental. It's a very simple... They've complicated They've it tied so themselves much. in so many knots trying to get it right, they don't know where and they if, are anymore. if you're going to review, you're going to call the ref over and say, oh, we think you should have a look, you might have made a mistake. Yeah. They should play it back in real time. Yeah. Because everything looks deliberate in slow-mo. Yeah. I mentioned in the book, you know, I once clattered into a little old lady on a travelator at Heathrow Airport. I'm mm. sure if you slowed it down, that would have looked like a criminal years. assault. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> gone over yeah. top, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. High, high left leg to high, the knee yeah, yeah. and then the right leg to yeah. the ankle. Yeah. It's just... Um, a basic mm. uh, problem, I think. Yeah. Also, as well, I love it. And when you in the book where you say like defenders, like hoofing it, just absolutely smacking it. You never liked that, to... did you? Then? Well, no. I I just felt that I couldn't understand why the fans had a massive cheer if the yeah. defender centre half got it off you and he smacked it into the stand. Yeah. Up and go, I never they got, understood. They yeah. got a roar, and I'm like, no, he just smacked it off the pitch. What are you, what are you <laughs> I playing? know. Yeah, you could do that. Get one of them down yeah. there. But you can do, do that. Doesn't show any level of commitment or skill, does he? You're no. Just hoofing no. it into the stand. I suppose you'd be four nil. But up it's interesting. Like, I mean, you know, obviously, mm. I, I applaud the notion that you know you have generations of defenders who are more comfortable mm. on the ball. But for me, that's part of the problem. Is they are very comfortable on the ball very few of them are creative they just kind of square the ball to each other and just you know, it on. and yeah you just think well try and play play a braver pass you know do something with it i mean watching the old archive stuff actually it was surprising that some players who i kind of mentally pigeonholed as sort of fairly basic but they were trying to be constructive most mm. of the time they were trying to get it forward but they weren't they weren't just hoofing it arbitrarily you know they were they were trying to be positive. You yeah, know. don't see a lot it's, of blood these days either. You like, you like you preferred it when there was a bit more blood around. Yeah, in blood. the old days, you always the centre halves always had a broken nose, didn't they? Or their <laughs> eye had been cut, or there's blood on the shirt. Yeah. You know, when's the last time you see a clip of a centre half? Well, in they the go straight league, off. When they, or they, they think, oh, he's broke his nose. They've got yeah. to go off. And they under the was the there concussion laws. Well, yeah, concussion laws broke. and blood. Oh, yeah, I mean, they get Perry wants to see. It's, it's WWE you're looking yeah, for. Yeah, I think, I think you're Perry. talking about rollerball. Yeah. Perry, <laughs> in the old days, concussion was how many fingers have I got up? Yeah. That was it. It doesn't necessarily <laughs> make it got, better, Perry. You've got two? Yep. Away you go. <laughs> he's a, all right. There's a very famous story, isn't there? Is Jock Steen, someone <clears> said, the kit man came off and said, I'm worried about that bloke. I, I, he's just had a blow on the head and he, he said he doesn't know who he is and he mm. said we'll go back on and tell him he's Pele <laughs> <laughs> now it's Brighton tonight Andy your uh, your sister club my sister <laughs> club no you take so many clubs well Chelsea's do you take obviously you, you mix and match players oh, and oh, managers Chelsea, yeah, from well, Brighton yeah. and Hove, yeah. Hove Albion and um, they're going to play their new Caicedo uh, replacement, uh, I think Carlos Baleba, the Cameroonian midfielder, he cost uh, a quarter of uh, of what Caicedo cost, and you just got to hope he doesn't have a much better game than him That's, and put him yeah, in the shadow. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to Chelsea. I haven't been for quite a while, but. Mm. Has anyone really seen Casado play very much? I mean, he's got this extraordinary reputation. He yeah. came with his He looks like, to me, he looks like a player. He's obviously a, a terrific athlete, mm. but I haven't seen any evidence yet. I'm yeah. hoping to be proved wrong. I haven't seen any evidence yet that he's a really top class midfield player. He was good. I mean, he was very good at Brighton. I mean, I just think yeah. I think we we were saying Brighton fit them with a chip. He, they did that with Cucurella. As soon as they go to another club, they they're twenty five percent of the player they were before. But and, to, and to pressure as well, though. Yeah, on, on the course, other side, it's like we were playing know. for Brighton, a fantastic well run club. Yeah. yeah, but if you don't have a very good game for Brighton, yeah. then it's, it's not national. But news. it's also you, the, you must be affected by sort of chaos around you. Hmm. I mean, or oh, you'll know this better than me. But I mean. Um, I mean, Chelsea at the moment, yeah. every game, Chelsea are oh, playing yeah. at a distinct advantage because the other team know each other's names. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's pretty much that, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I talk to a lot of Chelsea fans who say, we are bewildered, we can't keep up. Yeah. You know, the team is announced and so there's a real 
disconnect there between yeah. and it must be even worse when you're out there playing and you rely on all that kind of peripheral vision of where your teammates are likely to be yeah. and you you haven't really got into that groove no yet, it's t- look it's uh, um, they've got a lot of good players i'm sure they'll be fine they've got a good manager it's always going to be difficult let's just hope they stick with the manager on their nerve they'd be mad to do anything else but andy lovely to see you thank you for lovely coming to in see Cheers, you guys blue was the color uh, just remind us of the publishers and where people can find the book uh well it should be in any decent bookshop oh, like that. Uh, so. the publishers of pitch and it's a part of a series called football shorts fantastic yeah. cheers andy uh good to see you as always thank as you andy hamilton there blue was the color is his book the hawksby and jacobs daily podcast Good afternoon, it's Paul Hawksby and Perry Groves with you through until four here on Talk Sport. And Dave Hancock, Newcastle upon Tyne, has specifically asked for Lou Pride coming home in the morning. He was a regular at the Wigan Casino back in the day. It was a floor filler, he says, when we went along, so that was uh, nice. So keep them coming. We found out today Perry loves a bit of Northern Soul, so to celebrate and being with us today, uh, he is... Uh, we're playing some of your favourites throughout the afternoon, some of the old classics. I wonder if there's um, the old Northern Soul dancers with repetitive, repetitive strain injury. Yeah, yeah. With like the, 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 the knees so? or the hips. Yeah, it probably would be. There probably were if you the, the, uh, the Northern Soul dance uh, injuries that you always picked up. One of the listeners has said, where's he gone? Manuel, he's over in the States. He said, could you guys make a, a, a list of the songs you've played today? Great tunes or add them to my playlist. Manuel, we are raiding one of the millions of uh, Northern Soul playlists. These are all the classics. So if you go wherever you, you stream, if it's Apple or Spotify or whatever, just put in Northern Soul playlist. There are millions, and you, you can, yeah, you can go down a complete rabbit hole. But anyway, we move on to the world of um, football, and um, we've been chatting to the guys from uh, Millwalls, of course. Uh, their excellent podcast, Say It and Spray It on a regular basis, and some of the subjects of the murals have been joining us uh, over the weeks, and uh, they do a podcast, we say, uh, especially around that. This week's episode, they spoke to the Liverpool legend, Denmark International, uh, and that was Jan Mulby, and we're delighted to say Jan joins us now. Hey, Jan. Hello there, how are we? Oh, yeah, yeah, we're good, we're good. Perry Groves is alongside me and he uh, has happy memories. I th- well, I think they're happy memories of playing against Jan. Are they happy or not? Um, only happy in the fact that I wasn't a tackler and I couldn't tackle a fish supper, but Jan was unbelievable. He was playing in midfield, just, just to patrol, obviously, the centre circle mm. and you could never get the ball off him. And it was a Littles Cup final in 87 and George Graham said, try and go and um, like, stop him from playing. And I just launched myself, <laughs> closed my eyes, and then I ended up taking the ball and Yan as well. And oh. I just thought, that is one of my highlights of my career because no one, you couldn't get the ball off Yan because Yan, <laughs> he was the first one who did the big the 360. You know, he could do the, the complete turnaround yes. and just change the complete com- uh, complex of the game. Really? And even Viv Anderson said to me afterwards, he went, are you feeling all right, Grosey? <laughs> he said, what are you doing? <laughs> I said, you, uh, you probably don't remember no, that. No, you won't remember I that. This think... highlight of my career. All I remember is losing the game 2-1, uh, which, <laughs> which didn't sit particularly well with us. But uh, I did see Barry Groves the other day at, uh, at Old Trafford, I think, for the, for the Brighton game. Out there covering for talk sports, so uh, yeah. good to see him again. Yeah, yeah. Well, so um, the mural, it's lovely, isn't it? What a great yeah. honour it must be to have yourself uh, immortalised on a, on, a, on a wall in Liverpool like that. Yeah, I think it is in some way. Uh, you know, as you see them go up, you know, and I guess this is a relatively new thing, uh, murals going up in, in, in the UK, but you don't really give it a second thought because the, the, the names that are going up there, you think, yeah, well, why wouldn't Ian Rust be up there? Why wouldn't Ray Clements be up there? Why wouldn't they have a mural of, of, of the last two Titan winning captains, Alan Hansen and Jordan Henderson? And it's not all until they sort of lands on your toes that you think, I'll tell you what, this is quite nice in a way, isn't it? Yeah. It's sort of a it's sort of a modern statue in a way, isn't it? And it's, it's obviously much easier and much cheaper to do uh, than putting statues up everywhere. Yeah, no, it's, it, they're so effective. They look great. They've done some brilliant ones, the Millwalls guys. Now, the other thing is, uh, Jan, in, in sort of the last couple of years, you've gained a certain sort of notoriety from uh, Troy Hawk from the Greeters Guild. And I know in the podcast, um, Troy joined you uh, on the, the Millwalls podcast to say it, and Spray It podcast. And uh, Troy did explain 
how and why he fell in love with you. Here we go. Let's have a listen. I would scan the CFAX and I'd read everything religiously. And in the sports pages, this name kept coming up, Jan Mulby. And I'd never felt a name like that in my mouth. I'd never read a similar name. I kept saying it round the house. Eventually, um, as soon as I was allowed access to newspapers and so on, when my adolescence started to uh, blossom, I, I began to read about Jan and his style of play, which essentially was always to make everybody around him look as wonderful as possible, you see. Never left the centre circle. He'd be spraying passes out to everybody. Fast forward a few years, and I decided to start up a non-consensual brand of consumer service. At some point, I needed, you know, a sort of a, you know, authoritarian figure, a CEO. And immediately, uh, Jan was the first person that came to mind because I feel like his playing style perfectly encapsulated the selfless ethos of the Greasers Guild in making everybody around me look as wonderful as possible. <laughs> Basically, that's a very eloquent way of saying Jan was a playmaker. Yes. Was it making everybody else look better? Yeah. <laughs> it's lovely, though, isn't it? I mean, what have you made of uh, Troy? You seem to have embraced it, Jan. Um, and we've even got players saying back to him now, what would Jan Mulby do? Yeah, I think it's, in, in many ways, it's a great story. It's it's a harmless thing, isn't it? You, you know, I guess when it sort of burst onto social media, one or two people were saying, what is this actually all about, isn't it? <laughs> I said, I have to be honest, I don't, I don't know the guy, but I've since met him. Um, he's, a, he's a very funny guy. He's a very good comedian. And... Uh, yeah, there's, for some reason, I, I, I quite enjoy it. He does a lot of videos, and as you rightly said, he turns up at the uh, uh, with Manchester City when they when they won the, the treble, and there's one or two of the boys there now who watches his uh, social media clips. And so now, even Nathan Ake knows who Jan Mulby is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you must be happy with the mural as well, because I'd look at it. You're looking pretty good. It's, you've got yeah, the old high cheekbones, isn't it? Staring at yourself <laughs> back in the in the eighties, aren't you? Yeah, it's. Uh, as I said to somebody, the closer you get to Anfield, the bigger the names get. And uh, I'm one street down, just behind my old mate Ian Russ. But no, it's it's it, it's good. I mean, you could probably spend the whole day walking around Anfield having a look at, at all the murals who are there now. Yeah. yeah. So as well, Jan, can we explain to the um, uninitiated what CFAX is? Oh, yeah. That warmed the cockles Be- of my heart. Before the internet, that's how we... Was it 30? Oracle. 3.30, I think. 3.30, you always had to go there. Yeah, that was the only way we could keep in touch with what was going on in the world of football and back in the day. Where you get in touch with, obviously, keep in touch with transfers. Yeah. That Sometimes there's some players that were transferred and they didn't know when they got it on they CFAX. They found out yeah. on CFAX. Jan, um, how are you feeling about life as uh, somebody who loves Liverpool at the moment? They are, it's starting, it's looking good, isn't it, from Liverpool's point of view? That midfield is settling in, so Bosley's coming, maybe settled in quicker than even Jurgen Klopp would have thought and McAllister's already got that um, Premier League experience. It's all looking pretty good there. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think they're ahead of schedule. I don't think they expected to to look as strong as they do at, at the moment. Uh, I mean, Shabotslai, we, we knew he was a talent, but we also knew that it's a step up from the Bundesliga to the Premier League. And how long does that take? Mm. It's, it's took him no time. He looks a really good player. But also, I think around him, there's a newfound energy uh, in, in, in the team. And I think the fans are sensing it. I think the fans are potentially sensing uh, another very enjoyable season. Yeah. Also, um, up front, Jan obviously likes to play the front three, but there's five from three and Nunes is uh, looking pretty sharp. He's starting, yeah. So they, I mean, Klopp did say that last year. He said, look, he's going to have to get used to this league. And apparently the same thing happened in Portugal, Jan. It just took him that little while to get the pace of the league. And once he did, he was off. Yeah, and I think even what you saw from him last year, and I even think last year his stats were quite good, but you saw the potential of a really good player because of the way he plays. He's physically, he wants to run in behind, he's quick, he's got a goal in him. But I agree with Perry. I mean, the front five, the options you have there and the amount of goals they're going to end up with at the end of the season, when you consider some of the other teams that we thought might have done well, how difficult they're finding scoring goals, it's not a problem Liverpool got at the moment. And it was interesting, uh, Jurgen Klopp was saying one of the reasons he thinks Darwin Nunes is scoring more, he's happier on the pitch, is that his English is coming along very well. He's learning the language and he's feeling more comfortable and it's giving him confidence, said Jurgen Klopp. Now, of course, as a Dane, you spoke English when you came here, but I don't think anybody has quite embraced uh, the Scouse accent. Who's, I mean, there's been plenty of players who stayed at Liverpool for a long time, overseas players, but no one has embraced it like you have, I don't think. <laughs> That's very kind of you. I mean, I, I guess you get it straight away when you come to Liverpool that a big part of it is, apart from trying to play as well as you possibly can, is to try and become part of the community. 
uh, and I lived more or less in the city centre for nine months in in hotels and what else isn't and walking around Scousers every day. So all the words I didn't know, uh, I picked them up in Scousers. And so yeah, it's. Uh, well, I don't think it's done me any harm yeah. over the years. You've yeah, and you probably had to teach the Scousers English. You're yeah. probably better. I mean, it was a less. I do, probably... I do now, yeah. <laughs> and it was probably a less cosmopolitan dressing room then. You know, there were probably more <laughs> Scousers in the dressing room. Well, there was a fair few Scots as well, of course, weren't there? So, but yeah, lovely to talk to you. I'm glad you're pleased with the mural, and uh, we're, people should go and listen to the podcast find out more about it and you're in conversation with Troy as well so good to talk to you Jan all the best wonderful boys cheers Jan top man cheers Barry bye Jan Mulby and Troy Hawk on the podcast are going to chat about the Mulby mural that that murals have created Um, and uh, Troy will explain why Jan is head of the Greeters Guild yes and um, lots of other stuff as well Uh, go and check it out it's called um, say it and and spray it. It's the podcast that Mules put together every week with lots of top guests. Can you imagine Jan as a holding midfield player? Yeah, he'd look good now with oh, legs alongside he'd him. Breathe it. Exactly. Yeah. Just yeah. just sitting. He'd, he'd be the single. He wouldn't need a double pivot. He'd yeah. be the single pivot. Just sit in front of two centre halves, yeah. like a like a Pirlo sort of player. You know? Yeah. And he just like uh, say, as long as you had legs and a runner next to him. Imagine he's like 30, 40 yard passes to beat the press. Yeah. And going, I'll just drop it in into that channel for you. I'll just drop it into your feet. What a player. Yeah, he was a fantastic player, yeah. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There we are. That was this afternoon's show. Uh, I'm off for the next few days. Um, I believe tomorrow it's Charlie Baker and Danny Kelly. But Perry, it's been lovely to see you again. It's been an absolute pleasure. Hands across North London. That's right. It's a good time to come in. They can, we can be friendly with each other. It's it's not like that. You're back on Sunday with with Sam, yeah? Yes. Um, on Saturday, the Bournemouth Arsenal game on TalkSport 2. Excellent. No, it's on TalkSport, actually, at okay. half past two. Um, and then, then Sunday session, half one to half six with Brilliant. Sam and good. Alex Crook. Excellent. Good to see you again. Um, so, yes, Danny and uh, Charlie will be bringing you the podcast tomorrow. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on Talk Sport. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.